What's going on, everybody? Thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of Five Minutes with Sean, maybe 10. Today is going to be a lot more uh, than 10 minutes. We have a lot of fun. I'm joined by Sean Armour. And this guy's energy, 18 years in the car business, call him the, calls himself the BDC alchemist. I got to tell you, after sitting with him for 45 minutes plus, I can tell you, he, uh, he gets it. He understands the quality of a BDC. He understands why it's important. Um, he, he took my questions as to why he exists as a BDC uh, to heart and really answered them honestly. You know, um, as someone who grew up without BDCs, I didn't understand them, but I can tell you now I do. Um, I can see the value and a guy like that really personifies the big reasons why we have them. So um, take your time. But if you're a, if you're a BDC person, manager, BDC agent, BDC hopeful, uh, an owner thinking about running a BDC, everything you could possibly think of, I'm pretty sure we covered in the last 45 minutes. Sit back, enjoy, and come join us next Monday when I bring you yet another amazing guest in Chris Martinez. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. It is another sit-down edition on the Five Minutes with Sean show today. It's going to go longer than five minutes. Uh, we got a little Sean and Sean situation here. Uh, I am joined by Sean Armour of Canada. I'm going north of the border yet again. I do love my guys up there. Sean, how are you today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. How wonderful. are you, bud? I'm wonderful, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being on. I know that you are a longtime automotive veteran. You and I were chatting about your story a little earlier. Um, let me just ask you this though, before we get too far into it, uh, right now at the 30,000 foot level, what is, what is Sean's current role in the automotive industry right now? Uh, currently right now, uh, during COVID I was kind of, well, during after, I, I think we're a little bit ahead of this thing than you guys are. Sure. Um, so, um, I've, uh, been, had the luxury of reuniting um, with uh, two of my favorite bosses that I've had previously. Uh, there was some opportunities that they bought into a large dealer group uh, in my area. So they brought me on board basically to centralize BDC operations, as well as um, they trusted me to do a lot of the operational structure as well, fixed ops and variable ops as well. That's awesome, man. So you have a real mm. opportunity to impact change and the way people buy and service cars in your dealership. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. And when you're talking about impact change, I just want to stress the fact uh, that it's equally as important to come on board and create a culture with the people that actually work under the rooftop. It's not just external, but it's also internal. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can just come in and, and I think that's a lesson a lot of people need to learn, especially now if you're transitioning jobs. When you get to a new house, you know, you come in, you need to learn the lay of the land, you need to talk to people, you need to understand their positions uh, before you impose yours on them. Uh, and mainly because your positions may change as you talk to people, how you were raised at another dealership, how you were treated at another dealership can truly impact you to that new one. Um, how do you balance getting involved with new people. I mean, here you are at a new dealer group of seven stores. You have a history of working for large dealer groups. What is your, what is your first 30 days look like when you, when you get into it? Now, obviously it's different for you because you've been tasked with a, a pretty major uh, ground up, you know, build, but I mean, in general, what do 30 days look like for you? Uh, great question. Um, first 30 days, uh, if I break that up basically into weeks, sorry, four weeks and 30 days, right? So the first two weeks is really observatory. Uh, don't get too involved. Just kind of let them kind of still navigate the way that they were used to um, uh, pre-purchase, obviously, and then slowly interject. So it's kind of like 
um, let them come to you before you just impose yourself, right? Let them get used to you. So I would uh, have an open door policy. You're obviously having a meeting the first three days, two days to introduce yourself. You don't go too heavy. You don't go with accolades and what I've done and this is what we're going to do. They've heard it all before. Um, so I think uh, it's just a slow, slow integration. Do not impose yourself. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, there's a lot of scare. People are like, am I going to lose my job? Um, am I going to lose seniority, et cetera, et cetera. So the first couple of days or maybe the first week, week and a half, I would probably uh, say that um, it's just a slow integration. Let them come to you. And then you just progressively start looking at things that I feel I want to change. Maybe not process and structure yet because they clearly you have something that's kind of working, if you will, but do some of the walls need painting? Um, can we clean up the outside of the building? Uh, do we need to change some signs? Um, we're in 2020, so can I take down the 2017 sign that's way too high and nobody bothered to touch it? So uh, can I make sure that the bathrooms are clean just by taking a spot check and then calling the maintenance worker? So just slowly showing them that I'm a lot more than sipping lattes in my office in the morning. Sure. Which, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's important people understand that if you've been there, you can do it with them. You know, it was always tough for me because I grew up in this business working for everyone who was older than me. Um, it's the same way when I told you before we got on this that I, if when I wasn't selling cars, I was in the men's clothing business. I was always the youngest guy. And so you always had to hear, you know, you become a manager. It's like, what does the young guy know? How can he be a young guy and be a manager? We're, we've been here forever. That stuff can be tough for people to understand. Um, how do you deal with, again, the integration of people who've been doing this longer than you, been doing this shorter than you, sort of how do you, how do you manage that, that middle relationship? Because in your position, you're going to be dealing with people who are high-level executives who have been doing this longer than you have and have their own opinions. Then you'll be dealing with new hires that you're going to green pee out of somewhere else and put them into our industry. So how, how do you balance that? Never too young enough to be a leader and never too old enough to learn. There you go. You're a, you're a man of quotes. I feel like you had that in <laughs> my yeah, that, that's actually in Marco downstairs in the back. No, 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 I'm just joking. It's, and no, don't, 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 don't it's written somewhere. It's in your, it's in your no, I don't buy it. I don't it's buy floating plus. around, right? It's floating around. I don't buy it. Um, all right, so you. Um, no, it, truth be told. Um, I like that. It, it's very simple, but if anybody out there needs a little bit more, I'll give you a one-minuter. Um Learn to speak other people's language. Some people need numbers to understand what I'm trying to do. Other people need to understand my experience and why I'm here. And other people just need to understand what processes are we going to put in place. So it's a just basically uh, like my company. It's about alchemy. Just making something out of nothing, right? So, but the, the step number one is to... Um, have everybody included in it and letting them know that you're here to work with them. You, you are the, you are the BDC alchemist. That is your deal. How did you, how did you settle on that name? I, I I'm interested. I alchemy is obviously, you know, big part of the history of, of medication and, and how, you, know, you know, that sort of thing in this country and how people were taken care of. How do you, how did you settle on that? man? I read the book by Paulo Coelho called the alchemist. Okay. Best. And the message in that book really resonated with me. And um, there's also another really quick thing, uh, a little bit more on the spiritual side. 
as above, so below. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have emotions. Uh, anybody that hasn't read that book, strongly recommend to do so because alchemy essentially, uh, if you go way, 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 way back in the days, is basically they were like metal workers, right? So you'd take a piece of metal and you'd make like a crazy sword or, or you, they would just make things out of nothing, basically. Where other people saw this big chunk of metal, they saw something else. Yeah. So then I can, quick, I can quickly go into, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at start to change. And it's absolutely certain. So that's where alchemy came from. I'm an alchemist. I like it, man. I like it. So here we are living in a, in a crazy time. And as we talked about before, you guys are probably a lot closer to a, a post-COVID sort of uh, environment. Mm -hmm. When you look at your dealerships and what is going to inevitably change for you, probably for the long term with regards to this whole thing, if we're going to continue to take the lessons that we've learned and move them forward, what are, what are some of the things that stand out to you about the BDC process that will really have, have really changed and, and indefinitely changed uh, as a result of this whole thing? Hmm. Uh, right now, I don't, and, and I, I wish, I don't wish this upon you guys because we're a little bit ahead of, of you guys, I believe, with regards to <clears throat> the ban being lifted and, uh, but where I am in Montreal, uh, we got hit the hardest in all of Canada. So what I am seeing right now, and if I can help anybody uh, that's two or three weeks behind us, what we are seeing right now in the dealerships, there is an absolute, um, the inventory is absolutely dried up, saturated. There's nothing nowhere. Uh, what happened is during the COVID, there was a bottleneck. And I call it bottleneck selling, right? So almost every dealership in Canada had a record month in June. Let me tell you. It's all over all the social media platforms and everybody's like, yeah, I sold 40 cars. Yeah, but hold on. That's just because there was 600 opportunities stuck in the CRM, right? So the minute that the government eased up on the restrictions and allowed people to start um, shopping with restrictions, of course, um, we're literally completely out of inventory right now. Um, okay. So that's, that's a whole nother problem, right? I mean, it's a whole other issue. Plus on top of that, what happened is that obviously with the, I'm not sure what happened in Wisconsin, but the government here, I'm, I'm sure it happened down there, but we kind of freezed everything. So people were actually able to, um, while we were furlough, people were actually able to push away some payments because there was no money coming in. Right. So your mortgage, you know, I didn't have to pay my mortgage for four months. Obviously there was penalties. Um, but the same could be said for, um, all the lease end dates of the cars. Right yeah. now, there's a tremendous amount of our leasing portfolio that a lot of people have pushed their leasing payments. They've extended their leasing for five months. Well, that's automatically going to make a four or five month gap somewhere of cars that are supposed to be here on my lot. Yeah, as well as, but it also can have that effect on the opposite side. It can be more of a wave of cars that you know you'll be able to sell or be able to deal with come the future, obviously, because right mm. now it's about inventory assessment, right? So yeah. you look at your lot and, and people needed to make a decision. I don't know how it works for you guys, but down here we've got people who play the gross game, people who play the unit game, some who try to play both. 
Um, but it, it, for us, you know, the way I've always approached it is if we got a car and somebody wants it, then, you know, we sell it and we, we, we make some money on it. We don't need to make a million on every car. If we put a dollar on every car and sold a million cars, we'd be better off. Um, because again, I think that selling a car really is the initial part of a relationship. I think what you where where you were raised in this business on the fixed op side and where you cut your teeth, I think that's where you really see uh, dealerships have the ultimate advantage or disadvantage, depending on how you set it up. What did starting in fixed operations do for you when you got to sales? How did it change your perspective and or approach? Um I was, it put some extra tools in, it put a lot of tools, I should say, in my toolbox. Whereas um, for me, it wasn't, you know, we keep saying, and, and, and the big buzzword right now is customer experience, customer experience, set an experience. So that's exactly what I went into it with. So whereas a lot of the people that were more sales oriented uh, and they were very good at what they did, a lot of people were a lot sales oriented. So they were really, really, they were way better at me than negotiating. Um, but what I had for me was the, well, this is what's going to happen after. So I was able to build value on our track record on the service side pertaining to customer service. Because you were familiar with that retention process. And obviously for sales, retention is an afterthought. Uh, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, most salespeople do not view their book of business as theirs. They don't treat it as such. Uh, they're looking for the next fresh up, the next mm. internet lead, you know, instead of working your base, getting mm. your referrals, making money where money is to be made. Um, what do you try to, cause your jobs, you know, BDCs are different. You know, if you guys, you guys are there to set the That's stage, it. you're there to get things revved up. Now, look, you're talking to someone who in his retail life thought BDCs were the dumbest idea ever. Um, when I, when I ran stores, I didn't get it. I was raised in Chicago car business, man. If you couldn't sell a car on your own, you did not survive. There was no one to help you with that. So the mentality really dug in. Um, how, how is that when you, when you look at sort of this, the BDC sales side, right? That relationship, how is it most successful? Like how can you do, get both to work well together, Sean? What's, what's the key element to that relationship? Uh, sorry about that. You froze up. What's your question? The key element to BDC and sales departments working together. What is that? The key element to BDC and sales working together, uh, working towards a common goal. Um, the BDC needs the BDC department manager, whatever, let's just call it everybody together. The culture, the BDC to your point, why do you need a BDC? And that is a very valid question. hundred percent. The BDC's main goal is to drive traffic, um, but not just any kind of traffic. You need to build value to what we do. So basically, it's indescriptive. And what I mean by scripting is talk about everything except the price. Because when people call in, if they wanted a price, well, they were on your, they were on your website and they saw a price. So if they're calling in, it's very specific. Um, you can, what do you need the car for? Um, when is your purchase uh, due for? Uh, I, I really make sure that my agents understand that they're not here to sell a car. They're here to assist the shopper with their shopping experience. They're also there to take all the conversation that they've had and enter it in the notes in the CRM. That way, when I do book an appointment for, um, whatever, Sean, and he comes in on Friday, I am there to facilitate the salesman 
by putting as much meat as possible prior to the customer's visit. And so that's, that, that, that takes us into an important part of this, which is CRM usage, right? So mm. uh, especially in, in what you build out, which sounds like you build out centralized BDC. So it doesn't sound like you build out store by store, which again, these are different approaches. What a store by an in-store BDC can operate really differently than a centralized. There's greetings, there's all kinds of aspects that can happen from in-store. So from a centralized perspective, I, I love what you just said, which was don't ever sell a car. Now you've seen me and I've seen you on discussions online about this. How do you affect the pay plan and how do you deal with people who say to you, if, you don't, if you're not paid on selling a car, then what's the point? Like, how do you deal with that part of it? Great question. So without giving away my secret sauce, because there's no secret. So what I do is basically in my BDC, um, I have basically a, 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 an hourly wage, an hourly structure. Um, and then in my performance-based pay plan, so in my bonus portion of it, mine personally is cut up into three areas. Booked, how many have you booked? How many have showed? And how many have sold? Now, let me explain that to you really quickly. The booking is in direct correlation with scripting and the coaching. So your BDC manager needs to be on top of it because if somebody is booking uh, at a superior percentage compared to everybody else, how do I know that they're booking garbage? Sorry to say it that way. Well, then you're going to have a, such a super high booking percentage that they're not going to show up. So if you're too heavily um, focused on a booking amount, booking amount, booking amount, and they don't show up, well, then I can't do anything with that. The house can't do anything with that. So I'll put a nominal amount in my bonus structure on show. Okay, that keeps them on script, and it keeps them uh, basically asking the right questions. All right, now, let's break this up. Hold on. I need more context. So let's break this up. So let's call sure. it 100% of the pie is those three elements. How much of 100% are you assigning in your performance-based pay plan to the booked apart? Uh, let's do 30%. Okay. Got it. Uh, but yeah, 30%. Shows. Yeah, don't okay. take, take it with a grain of salt, but somewhere at 25 30%, whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, I just need context. Just saying we pay someone a nominal fee could mean, that could mean a dollar to me, it could mean $10 to you. So let's Correct. just get, so we have 30% of the pie is going to be parted in booked appointments. All right, we move to shows. 60 to 70%. 60, so the bulk of the job, the bulk of the pay is going to be right here, 60 to 70%. And then the other 10-ish, yep. 5-ish, whatever ends up in the pile, it can't be 70%. All right. I got you. Five to 10% will be the sale percentage. Is my Absolutely. Guess. Because we're not in sales. However, if you want whatever dollar amount is associated to that 20% on sales, well, you better make sure that you're doing your follow-ups post appointment. Okay. So if they don't, if they don't book a sold appointment, if, if the day the appointment comes out, well, because I, if this is what you're talking about, now you're getting all report on report shit here. So, <laughs> so if you have a, you have a, you, you, I, I'm a BDC rep. You paid me for a booked. Yeah. Then I showed. Yeah. Didn't sell three days later sells. It just sounds like you said, if I didn't do anything in those three days, then I can take that sales money and I can it disappeared. Is that what you just said? Is that hundred percent? Listen, it's part of the process. My agents first thing in the morning call all the fresh opportunities. Okay. 
immediately following the fresh opportunities is your post-appointment follow-up. Every single appointment that you are responsible for that booked and showed the previous day, get on the horn. And this is just a general CSI. How was your, are we playing dumb? Do we have notes? Do we know what happened? Like how are you making that useful? Because it seems like it could be useless if it's just like a, Hey, Hey, you know, well, if you guys know the details. Yeah, for sure. Of course we know the details because I just said it about seven minutes ago that we, I spend so much time training my people on putting as much notes as possible. What are you going to do with the car? What is it for? When are you going to buy it? Do you have a trade? Do you have money down? It's a conversation that I'm having. I'm not just booking appointments. It's not a call center. Yeah, but you said, you're right. You did say your people. But yeah. You and I both know, and we just, we just agreed to this, your people don't sell cars. So what I'm asking is how often are you finding notes from the people you set up with opportunities who don't sell a car or do sell a car? How often do you find what you need in the CRM to do your job after they've done theirs? Next to none. So then, so, so, <laughs> so then why, how and why should there be any part of a sale when the people responsible for the sale couldn't give a shit less about the people responsible for the booked appointment? Because the BDC needs is the BDC only thrives when it is supported by executive management. So do you know what that means? That means that those appointments and that inventory belongs to the owner, not the salespeople. I work for the house. I work for the ownership. I work for, so um, if, if Johnny two-tone couldn't sell the car, maybe so-and-so could have. Right. But that's a reflection of your BDC. And, and so yeah. again, I go back to this fundamental problem that I have with the whole thing, which is owner. Yes. As a, as a previous owner in a lifetime. Yes. I understand my responsibility, my inventory, my ownership. Mm. Right. Mm. But, but you're my BDC manager. And so your job is to bring people through the door. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But if you don't sell cars, if my team doesn't, if the sales team doesn't sell cars, why should that affect what your people make in money? I just, even if it's nominal, even if it's 5%, yeah. 10%, yeah, is it yeah, to invest it. them or is, it, or is that number to invest ownership so then you can come to ownership and say, look at how many cars we, we're responsible for out of the BDC. I, yeah, that, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, number one, it is it, it is to justify like, hey, listen, at the end of the month, we sold X. Well, we didn't sell, but we are responsible for X amount. Now, to, right. your, to your point, I have been battling with the fact that sales has always looked at us as a cost. It has been a battle since the first BDC I have ever built. I built five of them. The first one was back in 08 or 09. Okay. So it's always, it's the same, it's the same thing over and over. It's the same song and dance every time. So it's always the same. How many leads came in and how many did you guys book? Yeah. yeah, they don't necessarily understand that my booking is on a long-term process. I'm my cadence or my follow-up system on a fresh opportunity that doesn't answer is literally seven months. So yeah, no, okay. There's a hundred and two hundred leads. Let's just say that came in last month. It's not as black and white as saying, "Well, I booked a hundred. Yeah, but there's another seventy-five to eighty that I left messages and I'm following up with. So it's not so black and white. However, of the whatever seventy-five people that showed up, your guys are only selling ten. So at the end of the month, 
when you guys fall short, instead of saying, well, it's the BDC's fault because they didn't book enough appointments, I booked more than enough appointments for you guys to hit your numbers. So if I booked 100 and the 50 showed and you guys sold 10, well, where are the other 30 people? Because they showed purchase intent. They didn't get off the couch and come to the dealership just to, save, uh, just to have um, the free coffee, right? So let's bring this back. Certainly not anymore. So <laughs> let's, bring, let's bring this back around then. So, so let's just say, um, you said the sales per, or the BDC agent, if they don't do appointment post work, uh, post the show, they're not paid on the sold. Let me ask you on the inverse. If I do all that paperwork, I do all my work, they come back and they sell, is somebody paying me more? No, because it's based on a percentage. I, I, I don't really like those pay plans where you get a fixed dollar amount for something because what happens is that your BDC becomes like this free-for-all. There's a lot of sandbagging and there's a lot of just, can I say it this way, but there's a lot of douchey shit that goes on when you have like a dollar amount. So when you keep things as a percentage, you know, if you're going, if you're doing excellent and you got, I don't know, I'll just throw out a stupid number. If you're at like 70% pertaining to something and it doesn't require a number, but it's a percentage, well, then you're not going to stress out when a BDC agent goes on vacation. You left at 70, you're coming back at 70, right? So you don't need to worry that Johnny Two-Tone is not going to steal all of your business. Yeah, while you're okay. All right. I like that. So it's based on a percentage. So then do you look at your BDCs by their percentage of retail every month against the retail number and say last month we ran 30%, now we're at 40, et cetera. Does that factor into how you look at that? Absolutely. Of course, 100%. Okay. Have you ever thought about making that a part of the pay plan? I am now. Okay. <laughs> I, I say that because I think it's something that, that gets everyone's buy-in because what will happen is, is if I show consistently show 100 plus shows, right, every month 100, 100, 100, and I'm at 30% of retail, and all of a sudden that number bumps to 150 because there's an offer or whatever happens, whatever, blah, 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 but now my retail drops or improves, it can speak to an inefficiency within the system. So I think it's important that you look at that. My next question for you is do you, how do you look at contact rate? Is that, is that something that you look at? So 100 incoming leads, yes, we know, you will respond to 100 of them. That's not my question. Everyone always confuses that, not my question. My question is, of the 100, are you looking at the percentage your people talk to? Talk to, absolutely. talk Absolutely, yep. What I've seen, as a matter of fact, yeah, absolutely, I have a stat for you. For, for my market, I'm not sure how it is out there for my market. What I've seen right now, pretty much a standard contact ratio monthly on a sales side is 35 to 40%. What I've seen over on the sales, uh, sorry, what I've seen on the sales side is 35 to 40% contact ratio at the end of the month, pretty much consistently over the last couple of years. So I have to believe that in my market, I guess that would be a standard. Um, what I've seen over on the service side is anywhere from about, depending if, you know, the, the files are updated, what have you, uh, we could go anywhere from anywhere from 55 to 70%. Depends how the files are set up. And again, it comes back to data purity. It comes mm -hmm. back to the opportunity of having clean data. And that goes for anything. It goes for marketing dollars, goes for BDC dollars. Um, right now you're building out seven stores. How do you approach that? Um, what Seven stores, can you give me a lead total on just an average, just round figure so we can work some backwards math and I don't know. Let's go with that. Uh... <laughs> Let's go, I don't know, uh, let's call it 600. 
Okay, six hundred. Some leads. of my yeah, some of my stores are a little bit smaller, but let's go with six hundred. So six hundred leads. How are you going to staff for the sales part of things? Based on six hundred leads, how will you staff it? Uh, and a mediocre agent should be able to handle anywhere between one hundred thirty to one hundred fifty leads a month, including the follow-ups. Okay, and so do you assume everyone you hire is mediocre to start with, so you get your hands on them and can train them up? Is that a fair assessment, or do you go out and look for talent and pay for talent? I love that. I'd rather build talent. I hire off of attitude. Obviously, you have to have some kind of a base in, in, in not necessarily. Uh, this call center, right? Yeah. Well, not really call center. Well, yeah. Listen, right now, currently, I have nine agents. Wait. One of wait. my... Nine for, is that for sales and service? Uh, sales need? and service. Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm like, what do I need nine yeah, yeah. for? You're the operations manager. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. fire you for yeah. over <laughs> during COVID, dude. Like, All right, yeah, sorry about that. It's just because so, so many BDCs are segregated. Like, oh, I have an internet sales department or, oh, I have a service. I do all of it, right? So, um, so, so one of my best agents right now has been with me. Uh, she actually came on board uh, recently. Um, but she was one of my best agents previously, and she was a receptionist when I found her. It's cool. Phone skills, right? It's the, uh, the, it's not even phone really phone skills. skills. Just, people. Just the people ability skills. to talk to someone right just now. To talk to <laughs> someone. Right now, the bar is fucking low uh, as, far as, as far as that goes. because it's. I lost my shit. <laughs> I mean, you go out in public, and you can, I mean, you know, masks aside, people now have to sit <laughs> yeah, down. It's it's so you have a, you have nine people. Do you guys, do you house them all in the same area? Is it a team environment, even though they have separate job titles or is service somewhere and sales is somewhere else? Team environment, because I want, it's absolutely imperative that BDC agents understand uh, that they're working towards something, anything. If service wants to try over sales or if sales is like, ah, I don't like this anymore. And they want to try service. It's very important for them to just be in the same environment. Plus the energy is good. It's a good synergy. Does that happen a lot with you as far as people wanting to switch sides or them saying, Hey, Sean, I think I'm going to quit. And you say, well, Hey, hold on. Have you thought about the service side of the sales side? Like, is that a part of your uh, internal functionality? Then? Uh, it's not a part of it. However, I create that environment and I let things happen organically. I let people gravitate to whatever comes naturally. That way, when you are speaking to one of my customers, it does come out natural and it's not forced. Right. I, I get that from you, that it's all about sort of the uh, natural ability to communicate and talk mm. to one another and, and just have a conversation. I find it so important, uh, especially in the service department. So my, my service department history is very short. Uh, there is none. Um, I, I, was <laughs> short. Life. I don't know shit about cars. I couldn't change the oil on a car. I couldn't tell you shit. I just had a major repair in my Subaru. They call me. They're like, Sean, we got all these problems. Starts listening to all this engine shit. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to stop you there. How much does it cost? And we're yeah, just do it. Yeah, yeah just know. do it. And he's like, well, do you, should we do it? I'm like, dude, yes. Like, fix my car. I don't really care. <laughs> um, so I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a gear guy. But I spend time in my service drives uh, understanding mm. the, the, the needs of, of my people when I was there, for sure. I drove shuttle really early on when I moved mm. markets so that I could hear what people didn't like about a store or yes. didn't where they worked. The CSI. You know, I what it was, dude. You put on a, you put on a hat and a, <laughs> You know, a shirt, you go drive a shuttle. People are just, they, and they talk, you're they're like a fucking Uber. They're, they're, they're just like they canaries. They're canaries. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you, when you look at your, 
sales and, and service BDCs, are you guys involved in post? We talked about post appointment. Yes. But is there post sale work that you're doing on either side fixed or uh, fixed or the sales side for CSI? Like, is that a part of your job as, as a committee or, or how does that work? A hundred percent my job. As I told you before, this BDC director slash operations help, if you will, I need to know what's going on out there and what better way than to get it directly from, um, directly from my customers. I mean, if somebody came in, let's just look at it this way. Let's talk about sales really, really quickly. Yeah. I come in and I see you. We strive a cup of conversation. I have an appointment. It's booked. I come in, you're showing me your Subaru. WRX, STI, this is the turbo, this is this, this is that, this is this, this is that. And then I leave the dealership. But I showed purchase intent, which is what got me into your dealership in the first place, right? Dude, no one's showing up to dealerships just to show up there. I mean, unless you're doing Correct. some giveaway to start so the then ex- with the rubber <laughs> If it isn't that, then people aren't like, well, you know, honey, I'd like to go spend an afternoon fucking having my head brain. <laughs> Let's go across the street to a car dealership. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly, right? So what's the reason for someone not leaving? Do you think that anybody's ever not sold a car just because there was a personality clash? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think that a customer would call back and speak to the manager or would they just kibosh the whole thing and go down the street? Dude, I used to freak people out when I walk into my manager's office. I go, Hey man, I'm not the right guy here. My manager go, what are you talking about? I'd say, dude, I'm telling you right now, these people and I aren't going to get a car deal done. Go give them to so-and-so because that's way better suited I don't need commission. I don't give a shit. I want you to sell a car that doesn't, people don't do that. But is that how you, is that how you look at things to try and pair them up and sort of move that, move that environment forward? Well, I don't look to pair up anything. I look on creating a culture, creating processes that work based on measurables. And if, if you can't change what you can't measure, so if so and so is uh, if so and so has X amount of walk-ins and he's following the same process as Tom, and Tom's selling more cars than him, and they're both following the same process, well maybe there's a problem with Jake's attitude. How are we going to know that? Because the customer that leaves is never going to call back, or they're going to go on Google and just start dismantling your shop, right? So what if I call every single one of them the next day and I ask them sincerely? How was the visit? Not why didn't you buy? Right. How was the visit? Well, everything was great. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Okay. So is there anything that we could have done for you to purchase the vehicle or however you want to say it? Um, Oftentimes, oftentimes I've heard in my career, well, it just didn't work out. The salesman was eating at his desk. We were talking to him, but his face was just in the computer or I don't know, obviously he had a gyro for lunch because we could still smell his breath or, 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 or. So we're able to quickly turn around and send an email over to sales manager and say, listen, we think that we should still follow up with Mr. Welsh because he didn't not buy the car because he wasn't satisfied with the price in our conversation that never came up. However, we think that there was just like a personality clash, but he's still winnable. Okay. So you guys dig all the way in. By the way, if you ever want your salespeople to get a really good idea of what they look like, just record, their, record them at their desk during a car deal and uh, it'll blow their minds. It'll, it'll make them, they'll either show up or they'll be like, all right, man, I can't believe I put my feet. I had a guy who didn't realize he put his feet on his desk 
just mid negotiation just got so comfortable with people all of a sudden just lean back and boom come his feet and the people were just what is yeah. this Finally, well, can i stop it. you for a second when you say something like that let me ask you something yeah technically i'm giving you the desk Technically, I'm giving you the customers. Technically, I'm giving you all the marketing. Technically, I'm giving you the BDC. Technically, I'm giving you the phone. Technically, I'm giving you the pens. So what point? more do I, I also have to film you to show you how stupid you look? Ah. Are, you kid, are you kidding me? So the worst part about it is that you named off everything that makes the car business great. And it's everything that makes it. If you want to sell cars, you can go sell cars. If, you ever want, if you're an entrepreneur watching this right now, go sell cars. Because it's everything about being an entrepreneur without any of the overhead. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Right? No, you don't have to write checks for There's shit. No There's no rent. There's no rent. You're using million dollar CRMs. I'm spending a million dollars on advertising. You don't have to do shit. Yeah. No, so you, you, salespeople are, look, why, Sean, why, why do we have BDCs? Why do we have sales BDCs? I know why we have fixed house BDCs. It's a totally different world. I, I always understood that. Why do we have sales ones? Um, long-term follow-up, okay. uh, consistent professional communication, okay. or I should actually break that up into, into two professional communication controlled by scripting as right. much as possible. Um, uh, consistent communication and also the fact that we're technically not paid on commission. Sure. So my, my motivation to answer your questions, whether you buy the car or not, doesn't necessarily affect me or it affects me at 20%. Right. Cause it affects you. It affects you. It's still part of your pay plan. You have no control over it. Correct. You know, it's like fucking pulling a scratcher and hoping Correct. you're going to get your 20% off. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I make up for that. I make up for that on the back. End. I'm sure you have a wonderful hourly and you do all of the things there. Again, yeah. that metric yeah. isn't for your people. It is for Correct. the people you work for. Correct. And yeah. So, or not even them, their managers, because managers love to bitch about other managers, especially, you know, sales managers bitch about you and your position, blah, 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 blah. Um, okay. With you and your, like, how do you, how do you envision moving forward? You're, here you are in your first couple months with a dealership group. What, what changes are you really trying to implement and things that you've learned during this period that you really want to stick post the whole thing? that the BDC is an extension of the sales department. We're here to help you guys. We're not here to take deals. We're not here to take your measly little 25 bucks. We're actually genuinely here to help. We're here to add another layer of communication. We're here to basically be, if I could say it this way, they're secretaries. How many salespeople do you walk into, whether, let's just call it North America. How many people, how many go walk into any dealership? How many times can you do a crossword? How many times can you do the Sudoku? You know, how many times can you check your Facebook and then go and ask them, how many, have you followed up with everybody that you saw a month ago? Yeah. Or that you sold in the last six months or. I would pull out a report of the last 500 people that came through your door over the last three weeks in about 27 seconds and have people on the phone calling them in the next two. That has a lot to do with, but look, here's the thing though, right? Is that the, the BDC, although in my opinion, as, as I saw it come up, was created out of the laziness of sales departments mm. not being able to execute, as well yeah. as, to be fair, the influx of the internet lead. The idea 100%. and volume of work that occurs, if you cannot have a floor of people you trust. Now, when I, write, when I started my guys, we had, I had six guys a store 
everyone can handle everything. That was their jobs. That was where they lived. Mm. Fine. No big deal. Um, but the advent of both together kind of made it a necessary evil. How, how is it that what, what are your, what are your best salespeople do? I guess that's what I'm really trying to get to the best salespeople you see interact with your BDC. What are some traits that salespeople listening to this show can say, wait, that's easy for me to do. I can, I can certainly do that. Let's start off super simple. Come say hello in the morning. Can we start with that? Um, how about putting notes? If they spend so much time putting granular notes and I have an, an, an entire training process um, that with regards to notes, right? So two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak. You hear a barking dog in the background while you're talking to the customer, talk about the dog, put that in the notes. Think about that, Mr. Welsh. Do you have a dog, Mr. Welsh? I do. Do you love your dog, Mr. Welsh? Yeah, he's <laughs> I like that one. Imagine you're talking to me and I'm just some kind of BDC agent and everything's going well. I hear your dog in the background. Let's say I don't even address that there's a dog, but I actually put it in the notes. Everybody loves talking about their dog. Imagine you show up to meet someone that you didn't even speak to and you say, hey, by the way, how's your dog? You'd be like, what the hell are you guys talking about? So it just kind of shows like a seamless transition. So um, yeah, salesmen could just come and say hello in the morning. Bring somebody a coffee. Um, what else can they could do a ton of stuff? Food. Put notes. Put notes after. That's the biggest thing for us. I mean, if you're going to do one thing, let's just sum it down. If you're going to do one thing, please put notes in the file once the appointment is gone. Okay. All right. So salespeople watching, which, you know, there's a few of you out there. So here's all that Sean and BDC managers across the world. Oh yeah. Ask salespeople for it is one simple request of theirs that you put notes in your CRM. I'm going to follow yes. that up with a note from your owner who told you to use the million dollar fucking piece of equipment he pays for to put in notes for the half a million dollar BDC he funds to make sure you got enough cars to sell. It's not that hard of a deal. It's, it's very, very simple. It doesn't take a lot of time. I, look, I will hear the excuses of CRM suck, they're robust. You will not hear a disagreement from me. But if this is your profession, if it's what you take seriously, then you must find a way forward mm. and you must be able to use the system. That would be like walking into a Best Buy at the phone counter and the dude being like, I have no idea what phone, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I'd be like, well, you're at the phone counter, dude. Like, why are you standing at the phone counter if you don't know anything about phone? So it's, and it, it does not mean about the car. It means about the customer. It means about the engagement. It means about taking those simple notes. Sean, I used to call it uh, test drive intel. I'd sit in the back of a car with a couple up front. They'd forget you were there. They'd start talking about everything. They'd talk about their budget. They'd talk about their kids. They'd talk about what they would like about the car. Would it fit in the garage? You just, uh-huh. You get back. Someone says, oh, well. I don't know if she liked the space. And I go, wait, she said it would definitely fit in the garage. So what are you talking about? Like, That's exactly it, man. That's what I'm talking about. That's what a BDC is. That's what I'm talking about. I Dude, I agree with you. We, we came in. So CarBiz started because of a large dealer group in Madison, Wisconsin, who met me through a corporate contract I was on um, and asked me to help him re, retool his whole BDC. And I said, dude, that's not really my bad. I don't really even like BDCs and here's why. And he said, that's why I want to hire you because I'm going to have my centralized BDC come hell or high water. It makes no difference to me if you tell me to get rid of it. I won't. So how do we make it better? And basically what we did was we just turned it into a triage center. 
We just said every lead that comes in, get every piece of information you can from that customer and then pass it to the salesperson and then make that a video pass or make it a telephone pass or make it a, hey, Sean will call you at, you, at 12.30 is your next call time. Great, Sean will call you at 12.30. He'll have more vehicle details. He's actually at the store. Have a great day. Those transitions are simple, dude. It's, it's simplified all the time. Sean, what do, you, what do you think is the number one reason your reps burn out? Burn out? Yeah, just leave it, leave, either quit or become overwhelmed or aren't producing at the job they were at a level. Like, what's the real reason you see commonly in that department? Why, why it happens? I personally have never had anybody burn out on me. Sean, you never had anyone quit on you? I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. But however, um, you'll often see that in understaffed BDCs or okay. overstaffed BDCs. Understaffed BDCs, CSI goes down. Um, the agents are overworked. There's way too much going on. Overstaffed BDCs, they're not making enough money. Okay, so it comes back to money and uh, being overwhelmed. Sure. That seems fair. That seems fair enough to me, man. Um, as we kind of wrap this up here, you've been more than gracious with your time, man. I really, really appreciate it. <clears throat> with your stores, as, as again, as the new guy, as, as constructing this department of nine, um, what, what, do you, what do you look for? What are, the, what are the top three metrics that you track for your sales department uh, to, to kind of keep them in line? Or, or, you know, how do you look at that? To kind of top three KPIs for that and service, Sean. Um, top three over in the sales side, book show sold. Okay. So those, because those are the pay plans. We got those book show sold. Book yeah. show sold. That's what, for me personally, that's what it's come down to. And I've been, I can, I've been pretty success. I've been successful enough to be on your show and I'm all the way in Montreal, Canada, Quebec, Francais, right? So, um, yeah. So I guess I'm doing pretty well for myself. Um, over on the service side. Ooh, that's great. Uh, again, Show ratios are super, super important. Um, prior to the show ratio, I'm going to have to go uh, activities. Large amount of activities, large amount of calls. But the calls are all based on revenue generating activities, revenue generating campaigns. So I'm tracking activities. I'm tracking the show. Um, I'm also tracking no shows. And um, I mean, everything else kind of, falls into line after that listen you're, at the end of the day it's very of, simple your subscribers do a lot of uh decline services absolutely of course but there's a time and place for that right yes. and your decline services absolutely has to be in line with the communication bridge between myself and the service managers who i literally talk to almost every day i guarantee you it's every two days yeah and there again every there may be a reason for decline service there may have not been a note in like the last thing you want to do is call decline service there'd be a legitimate reason why decline service took place there's a future appointment of them who knows uh with that so sean when you when you look at that with you got three you got you, got, you deal with managers you deal with your people and you're also overlooking kind of the consumer side. Are you guys utilizing video? Are you utilizing text? Like how are you taking that kind of next level communication? Yeah, I'll, listen, not doing video. I, I, I just don't think my market, I know uh, where you guys are at, it's a lot different. Um, 
in my market right now, it's no, I don't think we're there yet. Um, we could be there if you push, 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 but I can honestly tell you that no video is not necessarily that big. Um, it would be probably a little bit more tedious to do it just because of the languages in my province or, or, or state, as you guys would say, it's English and French. And there's a lot of um, rules governing the protection of the official language, which is French. Um, so, oh yeah, they, they, we're, we're getting into politics right now, which I don't want to. Um, you know, but yeah. I, I, have, I have no interest in my politics. I have, <laughs> less, I have even less in yours. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so guilty as charged. Not yeah. doing video. And uh, yeah, no, we're doing a lot more texting. Um, I don't know. Do, do I plug a, tech, a couple of texting companies on your show or no? Or I don't. I mean, I mean if you use people, I mean, if they're, if they're valuable to you, tell me who they are. Yeah, right now, if you're going to look at texting companies, uh, Kimobi is doing some absolutely exciting, exciting work. Um, Alex and his team over there, um, I brought these guys on board. I met them a long time ago when I was at the Delari Group of Companies. Uh, he was just starting out in his basement. He'll tell you. Um, but Alex, you should reach out to him. He's a titan right now. Uh, they were at the NADA as well. Uh, Kimobi is an absolutely excellent texting platform. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's one of the better ones out there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, when it comes to texting, I think there's a, I think there's a big upside. Uh, Sean, I would, I would definitely, I mean, you have people who speak French in your BDCs or is that like, is that a thing? It's, 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 it's an absolute priority. Je parle en français à 100%. Donc, je pourrais avoir une conversation avec toi comme je pourrais l'avoir en anglais. I'm going to say you like the show. That's how <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, because I don't, I don't, like I said, you, there's no editing, which means there's no post. My guys aren't going to go back and translate that for me. That's um, but here, here's the thing. <laughs> I would tell you to just, just tap your toe in the video, find a way. And I say this yeah. because I, the idea of the market, look, dude, I, I understand, but, but unless you guys don't have internet, you've got a market for it. So there's ways to engage and interact. And just by giving people the option, what we found was that those who wanted to were, were further down the funnel and had more of an intent. And, and so it, it was interesting to see it. And yeah. there are plenty of video companies. Well, well, you know what, if I may say so, um, actually where I am right now, we have, uh, we were starting to dabble with it. So um, I'm not the one uh, it's called uh, again, if, if I could plug them, I mean, yeah. I don't get paid by them or anything, but uh, they're actually called dealer inside. Um, it's actually pretty cool what these guys are doing. It's the first time that I've seen it in, in, in my entire career. And it was literally five or six weeks ago. Um, so I'm not sure if it's because of this whole Corona COVID thing, but it's literally a, a button on your VDPs mm -hmm. that uh, the customer engages in. Uh, this window pops up. You get to select the date and time that you wish this thing to ring. And at the, sure enough, at the date and time, uh, it kind of like has a process. It pages one of the salesmen on the floor that they're using their phone and it connects with Sean Welsh. And then there's your video and you could do a walk around. It's actually pretty cool. So yeah, I'd be lying to say that we don't want to go in that direction. 
Um, we're not full-fledged into it, but you're absolutely right, for sure. Uh, right, that's we, that's a great it. place to start. That's a great VDP tool. I'd love to hear, because I know you're a report guy, I'd love mm -hmm. to hear the amount of engagement from that. I'd also be in, in really interested to hear where those users come from, right? So were they your Facebook campaigns? Were they, were they coming from organic search? Did they come from paid search? Sort of how did they meld into the tool? Uh, there's a lot of things you can do. I don't know how much of a Google Analytics nerd you are, but... Uh, I'm sort of a sort of an OG nerd in that space, and so there's a million there's a million different things you can do to really kind of penetrate and see the quality. Yeah. So, well, um, I had the I had the luxury actually at my last employment. I worked for the largest Mercedes-Benz dealership in all of Canada. Um, so the amount of uh, I dipped my toe into the Google Analytics. I am not even going to pretend I'm anywhere close to you, uh, but I had the luxury of uh, really being um, how can I say this? One of my vendors. Um, his name is Valerie over at S Media in Edmonton. These guys are literally doing next level shit. Um, he's like, I guess like you, he's just a sultan uh, for this stuff. And he really showed me the power of the Google Analytics. And I mean, it's just, um, it just keeps trickling down and there's pluses and you could just drill this thing down. I'm like, all right, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm yeah, you don't. With, uh, I'm happy people, with my BDC stuff. <laughs> I tell people all the time, don't go into data without a Sherpa, man. It can, yeah. it can get dirty. But here's the thing, though, and I would tell you this as a as kind of a discussion point for many dealers in in your position. Who I have people call me all the time and say, Sean, I'm a, I'm a marketing director. Why would I need your company? Well, you're a marketing director. It means you got ten different hats. You got twenty different employees. Mm. I got one focus, right? My focus right. is in data. But our company works the best when it has people like you who understand at a store level what is going on, what happened to the opportunity, because data in, its, in itself is big, ugly, and sort of not sexy. But if you bring it all the way down to what happens based on that data, based on that spend from what comes out of CRM that you see, that is the power and the gold of everything. So uh, I tell dealerships, make sure you have both sides covered, man. It's uh, guys like you are not easy to find. And so people want to make sure that, that they, uh, that they stick with that because our, our industry is headed in a, probably not in, a, in a, we're not going to run as heavy on employees. Let's put it that way. So you're going to have to figure out, at least in our side of the pond over here, you have to figure out how to do things a little bit differently. Are you it's seeing the, that, John? Are you seeing a contraction in the amount of employees? Is your employer discussing those things or is it, are we kind of back to business as usual, meaning whatever we had before we brought back? Yeah, what a great question. I don't necessarily think we're going to scale back on the old school way of doing things. However, I think we are going to react. I think ultimately, as we keep saying, we talk about customers because to me, it's customer, customer, customer. I think it's the customer ultimately that's going to dictate in what direction we're going to go in. Yeah, um, well, that's, it, that's, if, that is totally true. And I think that's how we've gotten here. But how are we going to keep up with them? Because we have a bad habit of just kind of telling them, yeah, well, we get you want to change, but we got the car, so yeah, do the business. Yeah. Well, listen, at the, at the end of the day, basically, uh, I think subjectively, of course, I think that we're going to go a lot heavier into BDC. Um, and not just because I work here, but literally people um, – the, the market has changed. People want instant gratification. People want their questions answered. So if I ask you how much horsepower your WRX has and I walk into a dealership, I'm like, 
hey, how much horsepower this has? Why don't you come on over to my desk and let's talk about it? Like, no, dude, I don't want to talk about price. You're going to sell me. I asked you how much goddamn horsepower it has, man. You want me over your desk? Was the answer over there? So I, I think by BDCs not being commission-based, we're going to answer their question. And I think eventually what I have seen actually um, is the gravitation. It's a start. It's going to be a long, slow process. But I think we have seen a gravitation towards more of product advisors as opposed to salespeople. Yeah, man. I, here's the thing. If you have people who work on flat rate, what you're getting is an experience. It's what happens when you, when you, you can tell when you walk into a jewelry store, you can tell what jewelers are paid on commission and what jewelers are paid on mm. flats. It's, it's as obvious as the day as long as the same with the car dealership. You can walk in, someone can say, what's the price? Oh, it's right here on the vehicle. Well, yeah, what's the negotiated price? It's right here on the vehicle. <laughs> you know, I've, I've watched guys with one price stores walk car deals over $500. $500 because you're a one price store and they say, Sean, we cannot, we cannot come off the one price by even a dollar because yeah. we've ruined our integrity. That takes a lot of guts. Um, do you see, do you see anything about your side up in Canada going to a kind of mat pricing sort of across the board or do you think it will stay pretty negotiable and you guys will always kind of be commissioned salespeople at least for the time? Oh man, that's, that's a great question. Um, without naming names, I can confirm to you right now that there is a big outfit out here who are doing very well. I have a lot of respect for them. They have already adopted that years ago. Okay. No negotiating. This is the price. Um, they also and they're a big group and they're still successful doing that? Huge group. They've expanded more so. They've even actually expanded out uh, in Florida. Uh do the math. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those yeah. dudes are pretty crazy though. They got really sweet boots. My boy, that's a shout out to my boy, Jay Smithwick at 360. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, cool. So dude, let me just wrap it up for you. Yeah. What, why do you do what you do, Sean? I'm passionate about it. I love it. I want to help people. The car industry is a beautiful thing. If you put the right person at the right place, magic happens. I'm in the people business. I'm not in the money business. I like money. Yes, but money is a result. I came up through customer service. I've always had customer service related positions and I do really well at it. Why? Cause I'm like a chameleon. I can just adapt to my environment. So I feel, um, at my age right now and at 18, 19 years in the business with all these young and up and comers coming, I get to be that guy that I looked up to 20 years ago. I've now kind of taken on that forcefully. Yeah, it's not that fun. And no, it's not that fun. Plus, I'm losing my hair and shit. My knees hurt in the morning after my run. Not very cool. So I'm going to work as fast as possible to just be a uh, member of the old school CEO in his office that didn't really move and came in for one hour on Friday. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, just, I just think that the, the, um, the industry needs a lot. It needs a lot of leaders. I think there's a culture shift coming and it's going to be more cus uh, customer service based and that's going to require leaders. And I'm in a good, strong position right now um, where I, I can actually give back to what has given me such a beautiful career. And that's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. You get right, that, is, there, is there music in the background? Or? You give, no, there is no music in the background. There is an intro music. When it's, it's, it's it's done, the, there will be outro music. I'm going to tell Cirillo that too. What's your favorite music over the first two? What is Cirillo this? has awesome music. I'm sorry. Like some sort of a, of a, of a jazz <laughs> call-in show. Like, what the hell was that? I, mean, I love the guy. and I just did his show, so I guess... I'm bound to have music over there. Cirillo my- is awesome. Well, hey, but listen, but before you close up, I just want to say something since we're still on the air. Uh, didn't you and your wife recently celebrate an anniversary? We did. We did. We did. We well, are. We've I, been married uh, 13 years. Yes. Nice. For, well, uh, I just want to let you, congratulations, man, to yeah. you and your wife. That's really yeah. awesome. It's pretty awesome. She's put up with me for a long time. She's actually been putting up with me for well over 17 years uh, as oh, wow. a human to human contact. So uh, you gotta, you gotta give her a lot of credit because without her, there's this logo doesn't exist. This whole thing, this whole thing would have headed down a much different hill. So I'm always thankful for that. Um, nice. Sean, are you, Sean, are you a sports guy? Last question. Sports guy? Yeah. I mean, I dabble with mixed martial arts. I've actually had a brief career in mixed martial arts. That's a whole other podcast, cool. but I dabble with that for about seven years. So, yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, now I was I'm in charge of customers. about the Canadians playing hockey again. I don't know if that mattered to you. Or no, listen, you know what? Before we finish, I'm going to finish off like this. It's funny we say this. I, I was saying this yesterday. Um, everybody's getting excited about this now. So, I, yeah. listen, for me personally, this is what I think. The day that these guys are going to come to my work and watch me work, yeah. then I'm going to go to their place and watch them work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't go to their place, Sean. Don't, I, I sit on my couch, bro. Yeah, I work yeah, on my exactly. couch and I sit on my couch. And I watch other no, no, it's all go Blackhawks, baby. Yeah. No about it. We're, well, we're, I, good for you guys. Hope we're excited, but no, likes, dude, yeah. I, I get it. I totally, my business partner said that quarantine was just an extension of his life, but it was made better <laughs> by the fact there were no sports. Because he doesn't care about sports, so he doesn't yeah. like. I don't. I don't care. So it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. So, well, so I mean, that, I like it for entertainment, but that's about it. I mean. I yeah. Well, that's the point of all of it, right? That's the point of doing anything outside of work is for entertainment, dude. Thank you so much. You have been a tremendous guest. Your energy and passion for our industry is unmatched. Where can people find you, man? Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can also hit me up at um, the BDC Alchemist at gmail.com. Uh, I just literally started my company, so uh, my website should actually be up and running in the next uh, week or so. But right now, hit me up on LinkedIn or uh, the BDC Alchemist at gmail.com. And what's the website going to be when it is live? Do you have a URL for it? Uh, not yet, but you know what? I might do a poll on LinkedIn to ask people what they think is best. Oh, God, more LinkedIn no, polls. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's why I said it. it's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. Hey, what do you think? I hey, know. I think you should stop asking me fucking questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's the poll for you. That's your Sean Wells poll. But well, no, okay. honestly, it'll probably be something like BDC Alchemy. Oh, I shouldn't even say it because someone's going to buy the Right, domain. no, dude, I just, I was asking because I'm <laughs> typing it in. I want to buy it and I want to yeah, hold, yeah. hold it over the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you're going to have to do it. But yeah, no, so uh, the BDC uh, Alchemist at gmail.com. Hit me up on LinkedIn right now. That's where you go. And uh, I'm always putting out fresh free actionable content constantly. you are you are you are just a content giver you know people criticize me all the time because i only do things twice a week but that's just how i roll whatever I man love, Bring i love on. guys like you out there just every day putting it out putting out the information uh you'll put out a lot less when uh, you start running your business want to get paid yeah for yeah definitely all <laughs> right buddy keep up the good work and thanks for joining Thank the show folks thanks, as man. always you can find me all over linkedin 
Uh, that's about it anymore. I used to say Facebook. That's not even true. So uh, come see us on LinkedIn. Go check out the show on the YouTube page. And uh, as always, have a great week and we'll see you again next week. Mm -hmm.